So a while back, we did an episode uh, pitting two famous auteurs against each other, Whit Stillman and Quentin Tarantino, two favorites of our listeners, I'm sure. And uh, today we were finally noticed by one, Whit Stillman, uh, quote tweeted our very own Malcolm on Twitter saying, heavens, no desire to fight with Quentin, who just told me he saw Metropolitan in original run and bought Laserdisc. Warning, shocking bad language. These are hashtag hoi polloi who know no better. Greatly regret lack of hashtag Adam Sandler characters in the film. Um, so, you know. I, I agree. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but, you know, who do you go to in a rebuttal for this? I don't, you know, why, why not the famous man himself? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say about it, Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> well, all right. Uh, so, look, I mean, like, like, like I, I, I like, I like Whitney. He's, he's a smart guy. He's a smart man. He, he's smart. Don't turn the audio down, okay? I, I got this, all right? Like, I like Wit. You know, he's a smart man. He's smarter than me, and, and, and that's not that's not nothing, all right? Like, he's, 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 a, he's an interesting guy. Sometimes, though, I think he's a little um, uh, too smart for his own good, okay? Like, that's that's all. That's all I'm going to say. It's like, you know, it's like, I, he's using this polite, he's using fucking slang words, what kind of expression, like, he's walking around, like, swinging a little bit of, like, linguistic dick i don't really and it's like wait what are you too are you too big are you too uh are you too much in your ivory tower to like turn down like a fight like I, i'm more offended by that than than you saying that you don't want to fight me like i mean just say that you would win like that's that's what i would say all right i don't know about you guys but like if someone said he wanted to fight me i would i would say i want to fight you back like i don't know uh but okay my point is is that like if if Wit wants to fight me, you know he can fucking he can catch me at the New Beverly. You know I'll, I'll be there, <laughs> and uh, and and it's on site. Okay, I I'll fucking beat his ass. All right. Thank you, Quentin. We'll see you at the New Bev. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, check it. Wit Stillman, put your dukes up. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 24. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And joining us tonight in studio, uh, the comedian and uh, film Twitter icon, shall we say, uh, Nate Fisher. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Nate Fisher, former film writer, podcaster, current uh, front-facing camera Twitter comedian, <laughs> uh, art house Frank Caliendo. <laughs> uh I really carved out a lane for myself in year of our Lord 2019. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. I'm Nate. thrilled to be here. Thank you. Uh, so Nate brought two films for us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Hard to Be a God, the Alexi German film from 2013, and the Trailer Park Boys movie, Trailer Park Boys Don't Legalize It, uh, 2014, Clattenburg. And Nate, why don't you tell us a little bit about your selection here? Yeah. So the... Don't Legalize It uh, is a film that I have been uh, constantly derailing conversations in social environments with with a long tangent of why it's good. Uh, first of all, people are like, wait, that they've they made movies of Trailer Park Boys? And I'm like, yes, and they're great. Uh, but mostly Don't Legalize It is my favorite of the Trailer Park Boys films. The others are compromised in various ways. And this is the one that is most resemblant to the original show. I, I wanted to just pick the original show, but I had to pick one movie. So I picked 
the best of the movies. But that's really more a stand-in for all of Trailer Park Boys, which exists in its kind of scope and, and totality as this massive, just epic novel of, of just like human drama repeating, across, reverberating across decades where the same things happen over and over again, but in ways that continue to delight by their repetition. Uh, and, and, that, and that's, um, that's why I love it more than any television show I've ever seen. And so I wanted to talk about that. And then I picked Hard to Be a God because Hard to Be a God is one of the more like out there, more, more stylistically like of its own kind movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that in both style and subject matter and like uh, rhythm and humor most resembles what I find most unique about Trailer Park Boys. And what I, when I watch Trailer Park Boys, I'm seeing Hard to Be a God. So if you ever watch the show, just pretend, like, just know that Nate's watching something else. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty great way of putting it. Uh, right away, you know, we, we all kind of watched a little bit of Trailer Park Boys and mm-hmm. going into Hard to Be a God, I think the resemblance is right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just the attitude and the way that it treats, you know, uh, normal human things like a lot of like booger shooting in hard to be a god and there's a mm-hmm. lot of gross shit in trailer park mm-hmm. boys too. yeah yeah uh, they're just getting mm-hmm. fucked up and doing fucked up shit to each other and like being violent and like a kind of you know fun way of violent yeah absolutely my favorite th- one of my favorite things about trailer park boys and this is kind of on a more broad level is that every repeated action becomes a punchline. And it takes a long time to figure out what the punchlines in the show are because it's just every repeated motion of blocking characters that becomes funny only in repetition. So every time that like Ricky, the main character, is on a slight incline, he falls over. No matter what. <laughs> he will fall over every single time. Like if there is a small object in his walking path, he will trip over it no matter what. And that's kind of the governing ethos of hard to be a god in the same way. Like I I think they went through it with the same thing. Like everything is going to get stuffed into the frame so that it can cause, you know, bodily injury to the characters depicted in it. Everybody's constantly interacting with their physical environment in ways that a lot of comedies never do. Most comedies, the physical environment is just like window dressing that you forget about. You know, and hard to be a God. It's like you are stuffing so much into the frame and it feels claustrophobic at times, but it's kind of just downplaying how like detailed the mise-en-scene is and how all these moving parts are like working together in this extremely like detailed way that feels sloppy on purpose. Kind of. Yeah. We should, uh, we should, we've driven in pretty like, we (laughs) all read the shit like real fast. Yeah. Uh, JT, what'd you think about hard to be a God? So we'll get into that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also really dug it. I feel like just like the way the film goes about is just like your slip slopping in the mud right there with it. Just cause I loved how each, like, even though it wasn't like particularly clear at times like what things were translating into what yeah just the way it sort of flowed throughout the whole film of just like soaking in the entire world was spectacular yeah there were a lot of scenes where you know on a fucking plot level i don't know what was accomplished but i saw a lot of fucking cool shit you know just like the way people were interacting with each other the way they're moving around and stuff and you know every not to be all one perfect shot, but this is a gorgeous movie on yeah, you yeah. Know, the cinematography level the whole way through. With it's a not- camera that's 
unlike any camera you'll see in any movie ever. Yeah. Both in the terms of like the way it moves around and the way the characters in the movie interact with it. Like there is a lot of scenes of another reason this reminds me of Trailer Park Boys. There's just a lot of scenes in direct address of the camera where like side characters and main characters will notice the camera and go, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Uh, and, and like, I really like that. Cause like, you know, the whole story, the plot is like humans are going to an alien planet exactly like their own, but 800 years back in technology. And this is almost like a sort of like drone that's like beaming footage back to the human planet and directly interacting as it, as it like observes the, like these alien humans. And so like that, you feel that in the motions of the camera and the way that it moves throughout the space. The other thing that I, that it feels like to me, and I've been talking way too much already. So I'm going to, I'm going to check out for like five minutes after this, (laughs) but this is a good point. The other, the other thing that I really liked about it is like the only camera that it's ever reminded me of is like, when you do like uh, like a colonoscopy <laughs> <laughs> or like you stick a camera down somebody's throat to like look at what they ate, like surgical footage. It, mm-hmm. It's the mo- only movie I've ever seen that looks like surgical footage where the way the camera just like just moves through things, <laughs> kind of snaking around and like pushing in, pulling out, moving around, going straight down tunnels, coming out of tunnels. It's very gross and surgical in that exact way. No, yeah, it's just like there's the constant like fluid motion throughout the movie. It's just it's so impressive and it creates like these this crazy like just blocking setups you'll never see in any other movie and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah, you know, I get just I love all the slime, you know. The, the there's so much, you know, like for a plotless movie, you know, there's still plenty of stuff to keep you entertained. Just yeah. like <laughs> throwaway stuff sometimes, you know, like a donkey dick or something, or like a, <laughs> yeah. or a, there's like a penis-shaped uh, weapon of some sort, or mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I, or yeah. what was it, like a torture device or something? Oh yeah, there was like a dildo that was on like a mechanism of mm-hmm. some sort. Yeah, that was very cool. Uh, almost like in uh, Burn After Reading, that machine that he has. Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> the uh, period-appropriate version. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all wood. Hasn't been like varnished in any way. <laughs> splinters. Just far too large. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, and, you know, this movie knows that that shit's funny. Like, come mm-hmm. on, you can't deny that. And it, it goes to show a lot about our uh, film culture, as it were, that this came out, like, what, 2013? It's like the beginning of uh, Inuritu's reign at the Oscars with two. S- Two films that you could say are like visually similar to the naked eye, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thinking, oh, yeah, long takes moving the camera all over the place, you know, and just uh, that this didn't get US distribution until I think two years later, right? 2015. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, going back to you, Nate, how would you describe the plot very, very briefly? What is the, <laughs> in screenwriting terms, what would be the log line of this movie? <laughs> uh, Wikipedia defines the plot <laughs> as a group of 30 scientists, and I knew it was 30, travel from Earth to a nearly identical alien planet. All right, fine. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it's, it's so, um, this guy, who is Don Renata, is his, that Rumata is his name, and he has been living as a quote-unquote scientist among this uh, alien backwards group of people who have killed every artist and intellectual on the planet in a sort of like uh, reign of terror type of deal. And he lives among them and is trying to like 
ostensibly he's there to like technologically guide them, but he's in the throes of like kind of going native Colonel Kurtz style sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's basically about how it's his long form, slow descent into completely wallowing literally in the shit. And it's about how him and his fellow scientists, um, they run afoul of local uh, authorities and how the authorities fight back at them and how a lot of the people that they encounter revere them as gods. But more than that, it's about how the, the wanton, aimless violence of everyday life uh, wreaks havoc on untold numbers of random peasants, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Like, there's so much more of that than there is story. And we've been talking yeah. about how, like, entertaining it is to watch, which it is. Like, the second shot of the movie is a 13-foot-long a pike, like, going into an ass cheek. Yeah. Which is, oh, yeah. Which is funny, you yeah. know, in a, in a lot of ways. It's also, like... Pasolini-esque horror, right? It's mm -hmm. like sallow level disgust and 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 truly like gut curdling fucking fear yeah. that it instills. Well, the other thing when we had previously talked about uh, doing this podcast that you had talked about pairing Trailer Park Boys with was Bellatar. Yes, and that seeing Satan Tango recently, uh, it reminded me like the rhythms of how that movie operated and the repetitions of that and how just scene to scene, you know, in, in traditional, you know, whatever film screenwriting bullshit, uh, where there's accomplishments of scenes, whatever, you know, this film has plot points where it needs to be over the course of three hours. Uh, but it's a lot of shit in between where it's just every scene is about, you know, the duration of the take as well as, uh, how people are, you know, moving and mm -hmm. all of the small details that are captured on camera. Yeah, you know. it's truly for the formalists. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, if you're trying mm -hmm. to pay attention to, yeah, the you know how long of takes he's using, you realize that it is pretty dynamic too, mm -hmm. because there's ones that go on for minute and a half, two minutes longer than that, and there are some scenes that feel like they're all in long take, but there's you know they're 45 second takes or so, and uh, I think the way he does that without calling attention to it keeps it watchable over three hours yeah and it keeps know, it dynamic enough. you know what's sick about these long takes and as opposed to contrast that with the uh inuritu lubeski axis of evil is that in <laughs> in their films right if it's a long take every single thing happens at largely similar focal distances from the camera all in a like a three millimeter fisheye lens mm -hmm. so there's a very like deadening sameness to it throughout the whole thing whereas in this like the direction and like ingenuity of the camera is like on a second by second basis unbelievably surprising and like there will be a f extreme foreground action like a guy will come in from bottom right corner of the frame in front of where you thought the action was and start like clicking chicken legs together <laughs> while they're having a conversation and there's a bunch of peasants like walking back and forth ha like hauling sacks of barley in the background and all three of these things are happening in different like different directions at the same time in a shot and it always makes visual sense yeah the uh the stuff that comes into the top end of the frame always reminds me of the uh the boom and especially early trailer park boys I, <laughs> yeah. it always catches me the same way <laughs> the same way the little hand will come up at the bottom of the frame once yeah. in a while in this movie is amazing especially you know what i'm talking about when i say the little hand there's some like fucked up hands in this movie <laughs> yeah. and when they're right up against the frame it's just i don't know it just completely takes you out of it but it's hilarious yeah mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's also gross at the same time. And, you know, it manages so many things and that's why it flew by, you know, obviously some of the camera movement and just it being a Russian film. If you've been a fucking film student calls back to Tarkovsky or whatever. Uh, but this is like so much more like breezy than that for three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love Tarkovsky, but Andre Rublev feels three hours long. You know, this absolutely fucking breezes by in my opinion. This is Tarkovsky with like, you know, six or seven beers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like doing all those long takes, but he's like, it's real fuzzy, you know? <laughs> oh, man. So as he gets deeper and deeper into his uh, Colonel Kurtz like descent, um, you lose track, I guess, more of the, the scientists other than the ones who are trying to bring him back. I don't know. It's hard yeah. to, dis- it's hard to make a distinction, <laughs> honestly, like, uh, this movie, if I didn't read the Wikipedia plot that you had, uh, started to read, uh, very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Very helpful. helpful. Like yeah. it's hard to describe what goes on in this movie, but you know what, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you're not expecting a fucking plot summary beat by beat. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so as we go on and mention, uh, other good things that happen in the movie, movie uh is a lot of getting fucked up on alcohol and like cool pipes and shit Mm -hmm. and that is very cool and the main distinction in this history they say that the renaissance uh did not happen you know and i feel like if it were a different type of art house movie it would have tried to like beg a bunch of questions about that and like Mm -hmm. renaissance art and shit Mm -hmm. thankfully it didn't uh at least for me because i don't know shit about that so like that was pretty cool for me that it kind of just used that as a starting point and uh didn't expect too much out of you, but I bet you could read more into it if you were one yeah. of those type of people. In the immortal words of Ricky, they didn't expect you to do any book learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what was like part of one thing that I was like really surprised about it was that sense of humor and just like sort of walling, wallowing around with that anti-intellectualism and mm-hmm. like engaging with it in like an interesting, like playful way. I feel like there's a definitely like a way they could have gone down where it was like much more dark and like yeah. I mean, because it does capture that like dark and like human the the pure dread in that, mm-hmm. but I think also does it with like a real playful sensibility to it. Yeah, it doesn't come off as like too condemning of what's going on on screen. Like it's depicted, yeah, grossly, but like it's it's you're supposed to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, like towards the end, like he's asking to do like he. I mean, the translation might not be correct, but he asks like, "You hear how many ears I cut off?" Like that's like <laughs> a pretty great line, you know. Yeah. And like that's at his, you know, one of his worst moments this is like 15 minutes before the end of the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, even then, it's just like he's mugging to the camera, saying the title of the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, if I can get a little like uh, highfalutin here, uh, I do think that like as we is like there's not a, it's not about like the Renaissance art, but like if what we've read of like medieval history, it's that in the mad rush towards like enlightenment and rational thought that our society undertook like a lot of like you know libertinism and mysticism and general sort of like free life was lost and a lot of that was like yeah because there weren't centralized institutions and there wasn't a codified code of knowledge and i'm not saying it was good back then this is a movie is a pretty good testament that it wasn't but (laughs) there it is a it is a authentic document of just how freewheeling everybody was in the 1200s. You know, people were like, people were getting kind of, getting kind of loose with it. You know? <laughs> get kind of twisted. <laughs> you ever seen like those, uh, I don't know if, if any of you guys also watch uh, videos of 
uh, men from Ohio getting into fights by the river. <laughs> but no, there's there's a, there's a couple of there are some really good like just like online like you know white trash people fighting by a creek <laughs> and falling in the mud like really bad fights. Yeah. And this is like a very like authentic documentation of that and it it springs from the same like this is a document of a certain type of human experience like this is like this is part of everybody and only certain people live it but yeah it's real (laughs) it's there um you know i think we're probably gonna go long on trailer park boys so let's wrap it up about here uh any uh final thoughts on the film jt before you want to give this one a rating yeah um i guess sort of to touch back to what nate was saying i think like that uninhibited and like free quality of life that's being depicted there i think is just part of the most enjoyable parts of the film that like make the three hours breeze by because it's just like uh it is so gruesome and unique but also really fun and so i'm gonna give this uh four bullets i did enjoy it a lot though at the same time and this is just a like maybe it speaks to my mental capacity. It's like three hours is a long time. Like I, it's true. And, um, but I did like, I did enjoy it. I don't really have many, much more to say about it. I'll give it three and a half bullets. Three hours is longer than a lot of our double features. True. Uh, yeah. We usually, runtime, usually yeah. like a nice 82 <laughs> minute, you know, something. but you know, we let the guests go wild. Uh, yeah, I had a long yeah. reading list for this one. Cause it yeah. was like six seasons of TPV. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I'm ready for whatever the guests bring us. Um, I love this film as well. I don't really have much else to say about it, honestly, without sounding too stupid. So I'm going to shoot this one down uh, four bullets as well. Great movie. What about you, Nate? And sorry, but yeah, so uh, if you haven't, <laughs> uh, since it's a gun themed podcast and we love our, you know, Second Amendment rights, uh, we course. rate films on the scale of one mm-hmm. to five bullets. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to give it five uh, hollow point bullets. Hell yeah. <laughs> the ones that blow up when they get inside you because it's fucking metal. I will say really quickly, we've been talking about how happy and like fun this movie is. It's really <laughs> not. It's really depressing. A lot of people's just intestines fall on the ground mm-hmm. and I've some of the most like lonely and, and like dejected and and fe- worthless feelings I've ever had watching a movie have been while well, watching this. Like it's a really mm-hmm. disgusting and low place to be a lot of the time yeah but it's three hours so there's a lot of other stuff too but it's great i i guess i was just going insane because i watched you know a full season of trailer park boys and then put this on and then put on <laughs> don't legalize it yeah <laughs> and so i was in the mindset to just laugh at whatever yeah. the fuck is on screen i'm right there with them i'm right you're there just you're just sitting there you're just sitting there watching it going the winds of shit are blowing <laughs> <laughs> well uh we'll be right back on extended clip Welcome back to Extended Clip. Uh, before we get into Trailer Park Boys, don't legalize it. Uh, anything you guys see this week you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, I Can No Longer Hear the Guitar <sighs> by Philip oh Garrell. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. It's amazing. It was, uh, yeah. It was really great. It's this, um, this you know, a love story spanning over uh, years and years, decades. Um, it's in Paris, you know, about two lovers named uh, Gerard and Marianne. And it has like a real austere quality to it it's mostly set in like bathrooms apartment rooms like like drab cafes shit like that and um it's i just liked it because it has like a it's a lot of like love stories you kind of like they reminisce and like bask in like the sweetness of it like 
this it's kind of like this movie's like kind of looks more back at it and just like you know this kind of needed to end or you know so um yeah i mean good shit nice what about you jt um i watched uh 2005 Michael Showalter's The Baxter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I was curious about it. I found it at like, it was at a video store in a bargain bin. Nice. And I was like excited by like, I don't know. I think Stella, The State and uh, Wet Hot American Summer are like, obviously like very great oh, uh, yeah. comedies. All faves of mine. Um, but I was a little skeptical of this because it was like um, Showalter. And I know like he directed The Big Sick. Right? Oh, yeah. One of the worst. Yeah. And I was like worried that this would be similarly in that vein of like nice core bullshit and sort of lose sort of the absurdism of the like wet hot stuff. But it was really like well done in that respect and it sort of felt like a prototype to they came together the david oh, no. wayne okay because uh, i love sort, that one it's so. like a parody of uh romantic comedies like it starts off michael showalter is like narrating that he's like about to be uh left at the altar by elizabeth banks um for justin thoreau mm-hmm. um who delivers a really amazing performance as like a classic douchebag nice um in it and it's just like a really fun like take on the romantic comedy genre that isn't like uh too condemning of the genre conventions like it very playfully indulges in them and uh good shit nice um you know i haven't really watched any movies since last week i watched uh pasolini by abel ferrara i think we're gonna save that one. i want to do an episode on that one at some mm-hmm. point uh the one thing i've been watching a lot though is uh vh1's rock of love with brett michaels for those not familiar, this is a, uh, I guess, Bachelor-style dating show that had a lot of spinoffs and whatnot, and uh, currently uncensored on Hulu in all its glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you get to see what you didn't get to see wow. as a 10-year-old flipping channels on VH1, mm-hmm. you know, uh, exploring your young <laughs> <sexuality>. <laughs> No, it, uh, it's great. Is that, is that a who now among you, us? Yeah. Now Come you can on. explore your old sexuality. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Revisit it. <laughs> no, but you know, you take a look at the uh, the dating shows of today. You know, you got you got some pretty fun stuff going on. You got your ninety day and whatnot. But uh, this is just like leagues ahead of it. Just incredible. Mm-hmm. And if you want that early two thousands feeling, I have no higher recommendation mm-hmm. really than uh, Rock of Love, Brett Michaels. What about you, Nate? I watch fucking Eight Mile, dude. Oh Ooh. yeah, another is, classic of that era. Kinda. It's so good. <laughs> Why didn't we tell me that? <laughs> I'd never seen it before. It's unbelievable. Like it is. It is like it. It's it's tight. You know, it's got a lot of like really nice moments. Like it keeps you on board. Every everybody will like it. Everybody ages zero to ninety nine <laughs> will totally fucking fall in True. love with it. You, it doesn't matter who you are. There's something in it for you. And like, there's a weird kind of like, kind of like, it's corny. Sure. Whatever. But like, there's like a corny, like, uh, like from the streets musical thing to it where it's like every now and then some of the characters are just kind of talking in rhyme, <laughs> almost like they're rapping, oh, but it doesn't ever really call attention mm-hmm. to it. And it's always just really like muted and really like, like simplified. And it's great. And I don't know if you've ever gone on YouTube and watched uh, 
the the rap battles at the end, oh, yeah. which is the most psyched up you can possibly get from a YouTube <laughs> video. It is the most bumping shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Just watch that alone. Like I I lost my mind. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's like great. It's fucking really good. Yeah, my my memory of that movie is kind of muddied by Scary Movie Three because uh, <laughs> what do you call it? That is Dirt Nasty playing Eminem, and a good forty five minute chunk of that movie is just an eight mile recreation. So. <laughs> I wasn't aware Dirt Nasty got that much that. shine. Yeah, <laughs> Bubbles, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? These characters are public domain, Ricky. What's up? No, man. Bubbles, get back here, you dick. Fuck! So, on to our second feature of the week. Uh, Trailer Park Boys Don't Legalize It. Before we get into that, you want to do a little uh, Trailer Park Boys on the whole, just to break it down to the uninitiated. What would you describe Trailer Park Boys as, Nate? Okay, sure. Uh, Three guys uh, grow a lot of weed, and they live in a trailer park. Uh, Every season is about them getting out of jail, saying that they're never going to go back to jail because they have this great plan to grow a lot of weed and it's going to make them a lot of money. (laughs) And then the alcoholic, perpetually drunk trailer park supervisor and his never-wearing-a-shirt friend uh, try to stop them, and eventually, at the end of the season, they go back to jail. Repetitio ad infinitum. (laughs) Literally the same plot every episode, Every season, nothing changes. And it is, without a doubt, the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's incredible. I had seen maybe five episodes total, like back in high school, and I hadn't gone back to it since. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. took down the first three seasons uh, over the last four days or so. And it's really, you know, brought a lot of joy to my Mm -hmm. life, I got to say. Um, yeah, I had not been as familiar with Trailer Park Boys beforehand. Like, I watched, like, one episode, like, a while back when I was pretty young, and I definitely didn't get it. But I, like, did the first season and the first episode of season two, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely going to, like, continue going mm-hmm. through it after this. Yeah, I also watched the uh, 1999 movie that's, like, a kind of a pilot-ish for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's really good. It's a lot slower, and there's a lot of long takes of them walking, like a Bellatar movie. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what really, when you initially told me Bellatar and I watched that 99 movie, I'm like, is this what the whole thing's going to be like? It's really low budget, black and white, 16 millimeter, you know? Yeah. And it's like half of it is the uh, camera mounted on the car and just Ricky mm-hmm. and Julian driving around talking. And in the movie version, Julian is a cocaine addict and he's sniffing coke the whole time. His character isn't any different other than that he's like doing cocaine while he's being Julian. Well, the uh, tra- transition to rum and coke was yeah. really what, what brought it from, you know, uh, here to the stratosphere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, what you said about like nothing ever changing in that show, and I think that's what's so satisfying is that even like literally the actors themselves have never, <laughs> this is the only role they've ever played. Absolutely. And yeah. like something like you, you look at other like, and yeah, this is like mockumentary style. You look at other like famous mockumentary shows like Parks and Rec in the office and you see people like, Jim Krasinski and like Chris Pratt become like fucking movie stars and stuff like that. And I mean, it's not that I was a huge fan of those like shows in the first place, but it just, yeah. it makes it even worse like in retrospect. But these guys have, they've stayed loyal the whole time. They've always been this. It really does feel like lightning in a bottle that yeah. way, especially because there's been so little like movement in and out of that world, but the people involved in it. Uh, I want to like just briefly before we get into the discussion of the movie, because the thing that most appeals to me about Trailer Park Boys is I, I love the visual aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that the director who shot every episode and shot this film, Mike Clattenburg, is an absolute master of blocking actors for comedic purposes and will never, ever, ever cut. 
And I almost wonder if you guys like noticed that or like. Yeah. Oh no, it's a incredibly directed show. Like one of yeah. the best directed comedies I've seen in a very like maybe ever. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. just the very and it's because honestly the '99 show cued me in on it perfectly because he's using much longer takes in that too, and it's like more you know budget constraints. But then that translated to his sitcom style which is barely different because it's such a film approach to a sitcom not in like a showy art house film way either just like using the logic that a filmmaker should use kind of of when to cut and how to block comedy in action yeah yeah i love i love how they like how they'll have people just like constantly standing like these medium shots that they like have actors like come in and out of and they perfectly (laughs) expand the frame. But I also love the way they'll just like have like an item. Like when I talked about Ricky tripping on stuff, like the way they'll incorporate objects in the natural world seamlessly. And then they'll do these amazing hard smash cuts where they'll cut. It's like Ricky's like, I'm going to get fucking drunk tonight. And then they cut (laughs) to a shot of him like passed out just in the street, yeah. like like thirty feet away from anything, like like so far, like you don't know how he got there, and he like wakes up like covered in like like craft singles, and like it's 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 also like the the level of like composition on that is like it's like watching like Badlands or something. Yeah. It's like so crisp. It fucking is, it's amazing and that is a great visual motif throughout the show is ricky face down uh at, yeah. either at the end of the night or an early morning yeah, after yeah, getting yeah. drunk like just always framed just perfectly where mm. it's like yeah and uh also you said you talked about the craft singles and the cheese sandwiches with mayonnaise are great but the pepperoni <laughs> oh dude the, pepper- the pepperoni's so my, my good. friend just snacking on them my friend day. in college really hit this nail on the head my friend nick he was like they never have a real meal in that show. <laughs> <laughs> They're always eating yeah. 7-Eleven food. Yeah, never yeah. fucking chicken. Yeah. Never fucking like broccoli. Nothing. Yeah. Always pepperoni cocks. There's one time where they go to the Chinese takeout place and then it's a snafu anyway and they don't even get to eat that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Seinfeld style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you yeah. go. Anyone remember that? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so... Don't legalize it. This is the, uh, I think, what, fifth movie? Third movie. Third well, movie. if you count the Wait, pilot you count the special. Fourth. Okay. And then yeah. they have some specials too, right? They also have like live shows that they did. And, and, and they've, I've, you, no one can keep track of how much shit that they've made in this, yeah. in this universe. Yeah. Um, this is the last one that uh, the director made, right? Yes. This and, is Clattenburg's last involvement with the show. Oh, okay. Oh. And do you know anything about the the exit there? Do you just choose to? No, I think he just up? like yeah, mm-hmm. he just uh, went on to go do different stuff. He you know made his living doing this, wanted to direct feature films, mm-hmm. so he just mm-hmm. like was like I'm gonna go direct feature films, and to my knowledge, has never made anything like that got any significant like distribution or publicity. Because if it did, I would have watched it. Because this guy's a fucking genius. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, this was like him him kind of like going out on a on a on a bang. You know, he he really like pulled out all the stops yeah no it's it's really fantastic it's a it's a great way to cap the you know i'm jumping ahead however many seasons in a few movies but Mm -hmm. it does feel like a great way to cap that off and then i'm gonna you know go back and fill in the rest of it eventually but so this film opens on the funeral of ricky's father and it's a great it's as grim as i've seen trailer park it definitely is but i will say that though very funny though that scene is grim the, the like the direction of it, the way it's like incorporating the dump and all the different personalities bouncing off each other, like the level of control there, it's like a Orson Welles scene. It's like yeah. so, yeah. it's so, it's like Ambersons, you know, it's like so fucking tight and they get 
everybody's different like relationships to one another out so quickly and there's like so many great moments for like visual comedy like the we we didn't talk about this but the character of julian like is only nothing he says is actually funny but like whenever they cut <laughs> back to like an extreme watch out of seven people and he's just standing there in the middle <laughs> with his like enormous chest and he's just like scowling <laughs> and he's just like mm. like that is always always funny no matter what frame he's in yeah and for the uninformed uh listener he's also always holding a drink yeah. in his head always got the uh, the rum and coke the rum and coke yeah. yeah always and we Never alluded to it, it off mic yeah, yeah there's a there's a shot at the end of season two where they flip the car that they're driving <laughs> and the car is upside down and then you just see him come out drink first like drink <laughs> smash, <laughs> cut, smash <laughs> cut to a full rum and coke yeah. coming out of an upside yeah. down car there's like things in that show like you know like it repeats a lot but it's it's always funny like uh what do you, Ricky's car, oh, like yeah. uh, j- just seeing uh, the transmission always yeah. fucking going with backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the clearing uh, stick that he takes all the trash, yeah. the hockey <laughs> stick, and he knocks the trash off. I mean, just the shirtless presence of Randy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Where it's like he's in that left side of the frame. You don't even really notice that he's <laughs> yeah. in the shot because there because his J Rock and 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 Leahy are arguing and Julian's arguing and they turn over and he's go. Like, couldn't even wear a shirt to a fucking funeral. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there he is. And he isn't wearing a shirt. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, very quickly after that, because I remember that was definitely the first like big laugh I had. And right after that, uh, a great, you know, classic Ricky Malprop is... Instant Carla, fucky. Fuck! Jesus Christ, Ricky. Instant uh, Carla, is- fucky. <laughs> and then he swings at him and he falls <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So we catch up on where everyone's at. And, uh, you know, Julian, although driving a nice car, is in the piss game. He's, uh, you know, he's rather than uh, growing weed, he is doing his own enterprise of stealing uh, military piss and using it for clean piss. (laughs) And Ricky is, you know, as the show progresses, you know, his weed game steps up. And this is his most, uh, his biggest effort yet. He seems Mm. to have a big greenhouse operation going. And he's very pumped about it until he finds out that, it's being legalized and he's going to mm-hmm. be out of business. So, you know, as the title suggests, don't legalize it. He wants to go to the Capitol and protest this. Now, what are the uh, the other two thirds of the gang up to? <laughs> Bubbles ha- is uh, delivering chicken liquor and cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> uh, living under J-Rock's shed, uh, drinking Swish. You don't know about Swish because you haven't no, gotten I, a season yeah, that four. Was not, I don't know what Swish uh, is. Swish is... Uh, is a mysterious liquor that is uh gets you more drunk than all of the other liquors <laughs> ever made, but no one knows what's in it, yeah. and it's very bad tasting. But anytime a character is on swish, they immediately like become subverbal and they like move out to the woods. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the first thing they do. And he's got a rack of jars full of it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah it, it yeah. just looks like bacon grease, pretty it's much. Really like, bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's <looks> disgusting. <laughs> and uh, this is like the lowest, like. Until like the the actual like chase part of the, like where like Leahy follows like Ricky begins like this is like low on Leahy involvement because like Leahy mm-hmm. is like normally like the blackout drunk agent of chaos yeah. where he's all limbs and fucking stand just stumbling over falling on things and screaming at people but in this one he's kind of muted. Uh, which I think might have been more to like John Dunsworth's health than anything else because he's really mm-hmm. old and he died a couple of years after this. Oh, wow. It was one of the most tragic. And he's also, 
we should touch on this, like the character of Leahy, the the human depths that he goes through in every oh. second of the role. Like when yeah. he really like gets into like the the dregs of his like obsession with Ricky <laughs> and his obsession with Julian and his cocaine addiction yeah. and his love of these men and his inability to separate his his lust for them from his, dis, <laughs> his from his disgust by them and himself. And he's just it's played to the nines at every single juncture because John Dunsworth is one of the finest actors I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Oh, he's so good. Trained in Shakespearean actor. And this is all he ever did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, the des- the general like desperation of the Leahy character. Like I think he's my favorite. It's just it's you know it's funny. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's just he is the most desperate maybe of all of them, and mm-hmm. he is just always no matter you know the main three probably have more in them at the time but he always appears the most fucked up because it affects him the most clearly he's the source of pathos he's the he's the emotional (laughs) core of the show for sure like it's so sad i love him so much (laughs) so while he's slanging chicken uh he gets a letter and it's the final warning that his parents left him a house they died and they left him a house and you know it gets a kind of sad beat but you know you remember that they abandoned him and it's Mm -hmm. like okay let's go check the shit out they steal the well they steal the dirty burger the uh Mm -hmm. the the food truck slash rv from the cheeseburger walrus philadelphia collins uh (laughs) who is combined to who is confined to a wheelchair and his son jacob who was Julian's piss chimp, and they they uh, they drive across the country while Leahy tries to frame them uh, for cocaine possession, yeah. which he buys a lot of from Cyrus, who is the villain of this show. Now Cyrus mm-hmm. is uh, a constantly shown who you never see Cyrus except in isolated moments in this film. You never see Cyrus without him driving up to the scene in his Corvette that is. <laughs> always at 13 out of 10 volume blasting the same 30 second loop of a really nasty like southern rock song called i'm old she's young um oh man what a detail it's yeah it's a great song look it up uh make it the outro of this episode uh it was my it was my cell phone ringtone for a long time very long time uh it's and basically yeah so cyrus and oh and the the always naked uh wearing a bathrobe dennis and terry uh also go they're also in the drug game and they go with them so it becomes like this like three-way fight between the boys cyrus and Leahy. as many seasons of trailer park boys often are this story is like you know a, a slightly streamlined version of what happens in every episode and every season of the show yeah every single time they think it's going to be better and you know this time it's clearly the biggest that they've gotten and Mm -hmm. it's oh man when uh (laughs) when they get to the the property that bubbles was left by his parents and you know it's a pretty emotional beat before that when you know bubbles is trying not to fall asleep because he doesn't want to kill his best friends on the road (laughs) he's pretty fucked up too you know and Mm -hmm. he bubbles is a character that really just i don't know he's kind of for me he's kind of the core of the show like he's not in the first movie at all and he's only at the end of the first episode of the show or so like it takes like three yeah. episodes for him to be like the solid third guy of the he show, is kinda. easily the smartest person in the world of the show <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For that's sure. like the most important thing about him is he's yeah. like clearly way more intelligent than everybody else yeah because it's so easy to get frustrated like as funny as ricky and juliet are it's like there's always such such a clear fucking solution 
needs someone like Bubbles to help them along. And uh, when he thinks he's going to stay there, you know, it's a it's a, about a heavy as an emotional beat as you get on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, they ditch that and get out of there. And there's like a there's a good gag with like, um, well, Leahy plants the coke on them while he's following mm-hmm. them. And then while he's waiting for them in that house, like Leahy tries spitting out the window of his car <laughs> and it just hits the window of the car. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've seen someone do that in real life straight up. Like there are some really bad moments at Trailer Park that I've like, the worst part about it is I've either heard that exact same yeah. mispronunciation, like Jalapeno Chips, one of my best oh, friends yeah, in yeah, middle yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, First yeah, time yeah, he yeah. ever saw that, he said Jalapeno. <laughs> yeah. And then that also, I've seen like one of my good friends in high school did, did that straight up, tried to like spit at me for some reason and yeah. just hit the fucking window of his car. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky's malapropisms are are the most poetic dialogue I have like ever encountered. They're yeah. they're like they they transcend to a new plane of comedy writing where it's like <laughs> you know it's better to have a gun than needed than not have a gun and not need it. <laughs> like that's that's perfect. Yeah, and that's there's certain perfect. ones that he hammers home like over like supply and command is what oh, he yeah, says yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. But that's just one of my favorites. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you could obviously just like uh, go on listing those, but yeah. Uh, so they they go to the bar where they're like smoking up weed and at the bar, and they smell like piss still yeah. while Julian's making the piss deal. And of course, it turns out to be Cyrus's goons who rob him. And uh, at that point, they like Leahy calls in the the cops uh, on the cocaine that he planted, and the great mm. you know bomb squad robot uh, retrieves it, <laughs> and they get arrested, and. You know, like, I don't know, it, it, it feels more like a actual closure than just repetition at that point yeah, when they're going to yeah. get arrested. Like, it's like, oh, you know, this actually should be the end of it. <laughs> like, it's the yeah. weirdest, that's the weirdest thing about a, about yeah. that movie for me. And it's like part of the like kind of like muted, like kind of like depressing tone to it. Like, this is not iconically Trailer Park Boys. Like, no. Like, Trailer yeah. Park Boys is like... The core of his show is it is such an absurd, like flat circle Mm -hmm. that like anything outside of it does not make sense. Mm -hmm. But within that circle is such a ironclad internal logic, like everything in that world. Like, you know that like at some point, like every like every four hours of like TV in that show some point and it is always exactly four hours you'll be talking there'll be a random conversation it'll be the most innocuous like downtime mi- lowest possible point of the episode at which point bottle kids will show up <laughs> and a bunch of glass bottles being thrown by kids from the trailer park will be thrown into the frame from out of nowhere by kids you never see <laughs> which is like that's 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 like the Alexi Garman parallel there where it's mm-hmm. like that is a visual world building and like the the beautifully orchestrated chaos of like of like that's so much more effectively chaotic than so much of what's out there like there's no like like no war movie ever captures like the complete like bedlam of life the way that does no the the bottle kids as a recurring gag is incredible and it really like showcases kind of even the smallest detail like the sound mixing of the show you know Mm -hmm. uh you might say it's like kind of quiet or whatever but it's for a reason because when the bottle kids come by it's fucking loud as shit (laughs) it's it's louder than the gunshots in the show because you see them pull out the guns you don't see the bottle kids until they fucking smack the bottles (laughs) the gunshots are another punchline like oh yeah that's the great thing about the show is like you watch season one you're like i don't get what's funny about this and he's like oh every gunshot is funny yeah because every gunshot like should not 
not be happening. Like there's, <laughs> there's never a situation in that show that calls for a gunshot. But there's always scenes where they're just having a fucking like seven gun gunfight in the middle of a trailer park. Like, mm-hmm. why is this happening? And then they cut back to Julian and he's one handing the gun and you're like, oh, I forgot he always has a rum and coke yeah. and he still fucking has it. Mm-hmm. And then Ricky gets shot and he's like, oh yeah, Ricky always gets shot and he's always <laughs> fine because he doesn't have enough fucking brain cells in his his body <laughs> that blood loss doesn't harm him like yeah. it's it, it's it's brilliant like everything yeah. works everything mm-hmm. is perfect that is, that's usually my favorite part of the season is when they just fuck when they're fucking up the park like yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so much and like yeah that's one thing that's kind of missing from this movie you don't really get like the anatomy of the park that you get you yeah. know within a full season yeah, yeah yeah this is the narrativization like makes it like uh, makes that impossible yeah like the exactly. fact that they have to tell a 90 minute story yeah and the uh the gunfights are some of the best like directing that clinton burke does is in yeah. these gunfights i mean it's not you know john woo style it's it's the mockumentary style and it's such a tasteful deployment of shaky cam because yeah you can't see shit for like two seconds or so and then you get a hard cut to just a perfect shot of fucking bubbles like with a machine gun just like. <laughs> yeah 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 but it's like it's like well i always fire up i don't want to hit anybody <laughs> but like it's like it's incredibly like clinical simplicity yeah right the way it's like it's it's inspirational to be like oh man this is how much they can do is so little like they can make such gorgeous clean photography without even fucking trying oh yeah it's all effortless like there's not a single directorial gesture in this movie that feels like it's trying hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you only, didn't get it's, you didn't get to the first shot of season four. Oh, okay. When yeah, they're I, on the yeah. bus coming back from jail, you know that shot I'm where, to remember. where Randy's standing on the bus and they're holding it and he's standing shirtless and his Randy, of course, is a constantly shirtless man who looks uh, about twelve months pregnant, according to J Rock, and he's standing next to this woman who's yes. sitting down, yes, and it holds that shot for about six seconds, and then cuts to a real tight close up of the woman's face and the gut, each taking up half the frame, and then the bust slightly shifts, and it just he slowly just goes. <laughs> and his like upper stomach just pats onto her cheek and she's like <laughs> he's like i'm sorry <laughs> see like like there is sometimes like and the and with the match cuts too and it's like they cut to Leahy and he like drunk drove because he always drives drunk and he crashed into like an above ground pool and he's like <laughs> upside down on the windshield all of his limbs are spread apart yeah it's like these are the perfect tableaus the tableaus in these in these fucking like they're like kubrick level oh they're so God. goddamn yeah. good especially like down the hall like the very small like hall of the trailer you know because mm-hmm. the trailers are so True. such limited space but when the camera does kind of stand still you have these you know really great composed frames where you see yeah. ricky off to the side of the background healing himself or wiping a full roll of paper towels on himself or something like that yeah. while Julian's you know fidgeting with something in his hand because he has a fucking drink in his other hand so he has, can't control himself but uh so this film kind of like lets them off I mean Ricky is like mm-hmm. not in fucking jail he he made his point this is what I grow right here the best fucking weed in Canada I'm just gonna pass them out you guys can have a smell and taste if you want just get the fuck out of the way thank you 
and the government like grants him a license to grow uh, medical, you know, on mm-hmm. his own. And uh, what what happens with Julian at the end? I don't even. Yeah, I just I, I, I think Randy Randy uh, testifies that Leahy put the coke under his. Yeah, because yeah, Leahy's in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, just yeah. bouncing the ball. And I guess the uh, they play like his stroke was reversed by getting tasered. <laughs> and uh, the tasing in this movie is very funny. Oh, like that's uh, great. for such a gun heavy show, you know the the. You know the other weapons when tastefully deployed are always oh casual yeah. violence is, yeah. is always extremely mm-hmm. effective in this show like whenever they like beat each other up oh, all the like, fights are great yeah, I think it's the second episode of the show where it's like one of the first times Julian's just like talking to Cameron in his trailer and you just see like Ricky getting in a fight in the background yeah. with fucking uh, I don't even know oh it's remember. bubbles yeah, it is <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> yeah they're yeah, just the wrestling episode, in the yeah, background yeah. <laughs> or like when they think they see a Sasquatch that's Julian and they go out and they beat him with <laughs> aluminum baseball bats like <laughs> Like 40 times in like one shot. My favorite just like ridiculous unnecessary violence is probably when they're trying to rob the liquor store. This is I think beginning of season two maybe. Uh, rob a grocery store for Ricky while like Ricky's just out drunk and he walks into the store to get smokes while they're robbing it <laughs> and then incites a shootout like one on six pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah that's just like one of the greatest set pieces. It's also like it also speaks to like like some of the like the way they do crime in that show because it's about it's about everybody in that show commits a felony every episode oh, yeah. and I love how the like crime in that world is so rationalized and makes so much sense where it's like Ricky's just like yeah you just gotta take people's stuff like you take their back patio furniture you take it down to the curb you wait a few minutes that's garbage you can come pick up garbage <laughs> anybody can pick up garbage <laughs> and it's just like oh yeah, yeah. alright that's fine oh, yeah. <laughs> all of his like reasoning for why he does things are so like the uh, dumping shit into the lake you know? yeah, and yeah. it's just like his process of the ocean washing garbage into itself uh, <laughs> just because when he throws shit into the lake it's not there the next day the, the <laughs> The yeah. magic of Trailer Park Boys and the magic of Ricky's brain, by extension, is like it's like if you're looking at like a maze, like if you have like one of those like color like kids menu mazes, and you just draw a straight line from the outside to the middle. <laughs> That's what it is, and yeah. it's like the beautiful simplicity of that. That is just like you just look at that. And it's like, well, you did it. And then you just laugh because like, well, that's not how it's supposed to go. And it's like a perfect joke. It's yeah. it's, it's it's so good. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our Trailer Park Boys discussion. Um, you guys want to, uh, any final thoughts before you want to slap a rating on this thing? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? I <laughs> One thing to go back to like composition um, that I really liked both about like the series and I think like the feature does a really good job of differentiating itself and like setting stakes and like really doing like some more cinematic stuff especially in the bottle fight with uh Leahy and bubbles at the end where it's just like snowing (laughs) and first it just like makes uh randy's shirtlessness like somehow like (laughs) like dramatic you're like oh he's fucking cold out there (laughs) yeah um but like in the show itself like the like the contrast between the very compressed spaces of the trailer parks themselves against like essentially the like very flat background of the trailer park where there's nothing like really taller than the trailers there. Mm -hmm. It creates such a nice like visual space. Um, But for the movie, I am going to say three and a half bullets. Yeah. What about you, Malcolm? Yeah, I guess uh, I don't have like, I just want to, Touch back on that taser scene. I really like how it devolves to where every character gets to use the taser. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> gets a nice taser to the stomach. But yeah, um, 
I enjoyed the movie. Three and a half bullets. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm in the same place. It's only because, like, I feel like I might appreciate the compromises at the end once I've seen more of the show. Mm-hmm. Because it did kind of, you know, tone it down for me towards the end. And, like, yeah. obviously, you know, making a movie out of a TV show is a hard thing. But the magic of Trailer Park Boys is in that, you know, format. You yeah, know, The season-long definitely. format. And I think maybe it suffers a little bit from that. I also am definitely open to, like, upping it. But I'm right there with you at three and a half. Um and uh, yeah, I think it's like really good. Trailer Park Boys first three seasons, five fucking bullets oh, right yeah. there, like easy. Five yeah. bullet TV yeah. show for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nate? Yeah, for the movie, <laughs> definitely four bullets. For the TV show, six bullets fired directly <laughs> into the roof of yeah. Barb's trailer <laughs> from inside the trailer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. As always, you can reach us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. This week, we have one email sent one day ago from Robbie. It says, uh, the subject is movie, and it says, is other stuff worth getting into other than movies? Can being a well-rounded person be as simple as being into Poverty Row and 70s Italian movies? I'm open to doing other stuff than watching movies, but it seems boring, honestly. Love the show. Hmm. There's always masturbating. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I got like four things probably that I do. And mm-hmm. movies are like, ha- I mean, like they intersect with the other mm-hmm. things, but you got to pick up a second yeah. or third, you know, maybe mm-hmm. uh, check out basketball. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, take a walk or something like that. Yeah. Movies fucking suck. Um, <laughs> every, if you, if you listen closely, if you pay attention to like the movies that we all like, the lesson <laughs> of all of them is to live lives well lived free of the shackles of intellectual <laughs> pursuits and you live it with people you love for example i like watching nascar i really enjoy it it's fucking good i do open mic comedy for for some reason every night like yeah do that do um get up at seven in the morning and cook breakfast for yourself and watch english soccer oh, that's on always the couch. A great one. Yeah. it's great and uh yeah make maps of your favorite restaurants that's like True. i do that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Get into fitness. Buy like some pre-workout and just go <laughs> ham. Like, you, like if you're not into working out, you'll take pre-workout. It'll make your skin crawl. To make, it'll force you to work out. So. You could at least get some grip training in. You yeah. also <laughs> could. Like there are several shooting ranges in Los Angeles. True. No, I'm Buy a yeah. gun. They're fun. Yeah. It's, you don't even have to buy them. You can just rent. You, you, yeah. can't go, well, you can't be like a one guy going alone to rent. They don't let you do that. But um, if you get like a buddy... You can go fucking have a good time. I, I love shooting guns. Yeah. And uh, podcast mascot Chris Kyle agrees with that statement. So mm-hmm. yeah. we're going to wrap it up there. You could always reach us on Twitter at Extended Clip 69. I'm at iPod underscore video. I'm at Bitch Face Palace. I'm uh, at Tall Boy Thin Legs. And Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people reach you? You can find me at, at Nate Media Good on social media platforms. Uh, or you can come uh, to open mics around Los Angeles, wait uh, two hours for me to do three minutes, and then you can watch me do stand-up. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, uh, we will talk to you next week. Oh, you know, we will just tease this now. Next week will be week one of three of our Adam Sandler film. So we'll see you then. Bye.